Hello, hello. Welcome to the Well Wishes podcast, a supportive space and community where we explore what being healthy and well means to us. Join us, Molly Cutler and Brielle Collins for a dive into practical tools and mindset shifts to help you step into your highest vibe self through heart-to-heart conversations and inspiring guest interviews. From trending topics in wellness and nutrition and dating and relationships to deep inner work and self-development, we're here for all of it. And if there's one thing we want you to walk away with from this podcast, it's knowing that you're not alone. So come along with us for real talk about life's beautiful and challenging parts and for some absurd moments that we (laughs) promise will make you laugh. We can't wait to have you along for the conversation and let's go. Yala. Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Well Wishes podcast. I am Brielle Collins. And I am Molly Cutler. And we are so happy that you're here with us. Yay. So today is a mini pod episode where we usually go into wellness trends, debunking things. And I'm personally, I have mixed feelings about this one, Mal. Because I have a very serious addiction to coffee. Mm-hmm. But Allison Morris um, in the community sent us, we did like a poll, I think like a couple of weeks ago, about what types of topics people would like to see on the podcast about, you know, health, wellness trends, blah, blah, blah. And Allison Morris, thank you, Allison, now in, in London, had a really great one, which was what's the deal with caffeine? Like, is there, is there a good level of caffeine consumption? Is it all bad? And this is what we're diving into today. And I, I'm conflicted, Molly, because I'm an addict. Because of your love affair. With coffee. Mm-hmm. So I hope the consensus is on my side. We'll have to see. <laughs> Got to listen to this episode and find out. Yeah, but I'm. I think it's a really interesting thing to dive into. So, um, we have Molly, our my personal doctor, and our resident smarty pants and holistic nutritionist and scientist. Can I call you that now? I am officially a scientist. <laughs> According to Brielle. Uh-huh. Um, no, but I am a nutritionist and You're I am getting ex- like a PhD or master's I'm, in something. I'm going to be graduating in a few months with my master's in clinical nutrition. So that is not a small thing. Thank you. Wow. It, it, it's been a labor of love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's taken a while, learned a lot, mm-hmm. and um, I'm really, really grateful for the experience and to be able to bring you all and and Brielle my my patient yes <laughs> I hope I'm your number one patient. lots of helpful information and uh yeah so let's dive in excited to dive in today to this topic of caffeine um definitely a contested topic mm-hmm. a lot of questions about it mm-hmm. um and so I want to start by talking about what caffeine is don't know. No, I love it, but don't know what it is. Yeah. So caffeine is a compound um, that's essentially a stimulant of the central nervous system, 
which temporarily increases alertness and fights fatigue. Um, it can be found in a lot of different uh, substances. So coffee, of course, is the most famous one. Well, tea is also maybe equally as famous. Um, but other things as well, sodas, um, even caffeinated waters, um, chocolate. What about cigarettes? No. I'm just thinking, I see people here loving their day starting off with that cigarette and coffee. Okay. Unless, you know, who knows, these days with um, some of the vaping and stuff, there could be caffeine in some of those. (laughs) I don't know. I don't really keep up with that, but uh, you never know. Okay. So um, anyway, um, and basically when we consume caffeine within about 30 minutes to an hour of consuming it, it reaches its peak concentration in the bloodstream. Um, And from there, can really take anywhere from four to six hours or longer for its effects to wane, depending on the person. So the caffeine is literally going into my bloodstream? Yes. Wow. That just, I don't know, when you talk like that, it makes me feel like a real junkie. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it does. And um, and like I said, it stimulates the central nervous system. And that's Mm -hmm. why we have... That's why it has such profound effects on um, on alertness and cognition and mm-hmm. focus and mm-hmm. feeling more awake um, because it's a st- stimulant of the brain, mm-hmm. you know. So so that's kind of a, a little summary of, of what caffeine is. And I think where the real confusion comes in is people you know, seeing all kinds of different news and articles and whatnot in the media that caffeine is very protective of heart health and protecting against certain cancers and this and that. And then, you know, two years later, caffeine is not heart protective, increases the chance of heart attack, you know, and, and, and it leaves people feeling confused and nervous because, you know, caffeine is a very widely consumed, right, and dearly beloved substance. Substance, dearly beloved. M- Molly, isn't there something I feel like? Because this is very much how I feel. I'm like, I can't keep up. It's like it's sort of like the red wine thing. Like at sometimes mm-hmm. it's you're getting reports that it's great and have a glass of wine, and then other, a recent report came out and they're like, any glass you have negatively affects you and you're like I can't follow but isn't there something or was there something about maybe coffee and antioxidants yes and so that was really when I was like oh I can up it now because I'm getting some antioxidants in this coffee cup totally totally so basically um some of the sources of caffeine mm-hmm. um tend to be very high in antioxidant levels mm-hmm. so tea Mm-hmm. You know, amazing source of flavonoids and polyphenols and and other antioxidants that are very disease protective, especially against cancers. Um, coffee as well, um, similar to red wine, like you mentioned, it's kind of a similar type thing, right? Okay. Where where you have something that's a stimulant, right? Alcohol, um, but kind of coming in this form that is presented with lots of really beneficial, mm-hmm. you know, nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yes, that very much is the case. But what I kind of want to sort of demystify a little bit about 
you know, so what is the deal here when we get <laughs> so confused? Yeah. Right. When a new study comes out and sort of contests what all the positive things that we just learned mm-hmm. a year or two ago, where do we go from there? Mm-hmm. What do we take from that? You know, so. um So basically, there has been a lot of back and forth about caffeine and whether or not it's healthy. On the one hand, there's a lot of research to show that, you know, up to about 400 milligrams of caffeine per day is not only perfectly healthy, but many studies have shown that can actually it can actually be really protective of cardiovascular health, um, that it protects against specific cancers. Um, that it's really great for your mental health, that, you know, just sort of all of these very real, Mm -hmm. very, very real preventive things. On the other hand, there's also research to show that people who do have heart disease or people who do have certain cardiometabolic issues um, might not fare very well from having caffeine or whether it's a caffeine at all or even or the same amounts, right? Because it might put certain people at higher risk for high blood pressure, at higher risk for a cardiac event, mm-hmm. higher risk for um, really messing with their blood sugar, mm-hmm. you know? And so someone say with, you know, diabetes or heart disease might have real blood sugar issues and caffeine can interfere with that. So it really kind of depends on the person. I think my biggest I'm going to tell you what my biggest takeaway is that I want you guys to take here at the beginning of this little mini podcast is when it comes to caffeine, it is all about reading your own body. When it comes to... Mic drop. Like, I just can't emphasize this enough. When it comes to these substances that where the research goes back and forth, back and forth, um, especially with something like caffeine where you feel it where you feel it you know you don't necessarily feel the effects of the resveratrol in which is a really high potent antioxidant in red wine right Mm -hmm. you don't you don't feel that you do feel the alcohol but but in caffeine we feel it and if you have a negative response to caffeine where you find that you are jittery, you find that it increases your anxiety, it maybe raises your heartbeat a little bit, you know, at certain times, maybe like 30 minutes to an hour after you consume caffeine, um, this kind of thing. Like, those are the types of things that you need to pay attention to. Right. That you need to go, well, even though this study shows <laughs> that four cups of coffee is really protective against heart health, but here I am with rapid heartbeat. How do I bridge the gap? Mm-hmm. Well, bridging the gap means you need to you need to be your own advocate for yourself. You need yeah. to to yourself, you know, you need to read the room, mm-hmm. aka read your own body. Mm-hmm. Um that's kind of I know it's simple. I know that, you know, that's not like the most science-based answer. Mm -hmm. That is the best and realest thing that I can say when it comes to caffeine. When someone is very, very, very dependent on caffeine, someone who needs three, four, five cups to get through their day. Why are you staring at me? (laughs) I I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) That's really important to look at. Mm -hmm. You need to look at that. Because, you know, one shouldn't need four 
five cups of coffee to get through their day I, energy just to be wise. Honest, I, I don't do four to five cups. Right. And I didn't think that was you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but definitely even even if it's just needing two to three, you know, where you can't get through your day. I need one in the morning. Like I need. You need. Is that a yeah. situation? <laughs> It's not necessarily a situation, you know, it, it really depends on, on, you know, personal lifestyle. But one of the things that can, um, one of the things that's really important when it comes to caffeine is making sure that your blood sugar is stabilized. When you are, uh, when you kind of overconsume caffeine, it can really mess with your blood sugar and it can really, um, and also when you need caffeine, mm-hmm. when you're very dependent and you need that energy, it can also tell you a lot about your blood sugar mm-hmm. and that you may not be getting the energy that you need. Mm-hmm. You may not be keeping that neutrality and that stability for your body in the way that you need. And mm-hmm. then you need this external thing to give you a boost. Right. So it's like, again, reading the room, a.k.a. your body, is the best message that I could tell you when it comes to caffeine. But there are some interesting things that I want to share that Mm -hmm. probably most of you don't know. So a lot of people will ask, well, why is it that like some people can guzzle coffee or caffeine and others are so sensitive? Mm -hmm. And there, you know, it's not the only reason, but there's a large uh, probability that, um, or there's a large sort of like, um, reason why that can happen to people so differently. So basically, we have a liver enzyme called CYP1A2. And this, I know I'm getting sciencey here. It but sounds like a computer chip. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's really interesting, I promise. So so this CYP1A2 breaks down caffeine. Okay. It's an enzyme. And it's regulated by the CYP1A2 gene. Now, if you have a mutation in that gene, which is not uncommon, it's actually very common, this will affect how your body breaks down caffeine. The more of the enzyme that you create, the better your body will process and break down that caffeine. The less of the enzyme you create, the less effectively it will break down caffeine, meaning you will experience, you will be more sensitive you'll experience more intense symptoms, kind of like what I experience. Mm-hmm. Not that I know for sure that I have the gene, but I prop gene mutation, but I probably do based on my symptoms. So basically, people fall into three groups depending on how effectively and quickly the liver metabolizes caffeine. So there's high, regular, and low metabolizers. So high metabolizers will sort of quickly break down caffeine, clearing it faster, um, meaning its effects aren't as long lasting and may also indicate why some people are wired from caffeine for many hours while others aren't. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Interestingly, also, if you happen to suffer from an estrogen dominant condition like endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, or fibroids, Mm -hmm. or if you have PMS, Mm -hmm. There's a very high likelihood that you have a CYP1A2 mutation Hmm. because the CYP1A2 enzyme is also the enzyme responsible for the breakdown of estrogen in the body. That's really interesting. Meaning that you may want to rethink your caffeine intake if you have one of these conditions. 
Huh. Interesting. Right. Very interesting. Mm hmm. So there's definitely a connection between caffeine and, you know, cyclical health, mm-hmm. estrogen, hormonal health and women specifically. Um, you know, also, if you're someone who consumes caffeine and you're not sleeping well, mm-hmm. um, it's likely that you have a higher levels of an organic compound called adenosine in your in your system Mm -hmm. again i know i'm getting sciencey bear with me Mm -hmm. i think these are just interesting for people to know um so basically adenosine slows brain activity making you sleepy um and caffeine blocks adenosine from attaching to brain receptors. i see so once caffeine affects wear off and yet there's excess adenosine present like flooding those brain receptors it can actually cause a crash and your brain can think it's like time for sleep. So there's this, there can be, that's why right, sometimes and, people, Right, and then people are like, I need another cup of coffee. Yes. and This would be my partner, Elon. Yes, that's why some people like, you know, experience crash, but then they also have trouble sleeping. And the, This is literally Elon. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, you've told me about Elon and how he, he guzzles cups of yeah, Turkish I'll be, coffee. I'll be evening. like, okay, good night, sweetie, I'm going to bed. And he'll say, yeah, I'm getting really tired, but... You know, I'm going to make a cup of coffee. I'll see you. I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> okay. Well, it is the best solution. Uh-huh. It's basically. also. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, you have to school him now on adenosine. He's going to listen to the podcast and then he's going to get upset that I talked about his habits. <laughs> um, okay. So, Mal, I have a question. Yes. You know, in the morning when you wake up, you told me a long time ago that you need to have a glass of water before you have coffee. Mm. First of all, I want you to explain that because I have no idea why I do it. But, you know, you could tell me to jump off a bridge and it's good for my health and I would do it. <laughs> so that's one thing I want you to explain to all of Please us. don't do that. <laughs> and then the second thing is, like, what is the deal with, like, the waking up and the needing the coffee? Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, I definitely advocate for having, you know, water before coffee, um, particularly in the morning. Why? Because when we sleep, we are naturally dehydrated, Mm -hmm. Um, not only because we're not drinking water, but there's a lot going on in our bodies while we sleep, a lot of um, clearing and and processes that are going on, a lot of work happening. Mm -hmm. We also tend to... Um, many of us tend to like mouth breathe when we're sleeping, which can be dehydrating. Are you so, talking about slobbering? Yeah, some of that and just kind of like, you know, that heavy mouth oh, breathing. I'm just going to come out and say I'm a, I like drool and slobber. Do you do it's that? very sexy. I do yeah. that sometimes yeah. too. Okay. Um, and so we naturally wake up dehydrated. Got it. Okay. Coffee is dehydrating. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Ideally, whether or not you're even going to have coffee, I always advocate for drinking water first thing in the morning before you eat, before you do anything really um, to kind of rehydrate Mm -hmm. and also to help move your digestion along and and help you have a bowel movement in the morning, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with coffee, I think it's really important, again, because it's dehydrating. It's like a double dehydration, Mm. right? We're waking up dehydrated and then coffee is dehydrating. So it's so important to have that water. Something else that um, I also want to add is that um, I'll go into this in a little bit more detail in a few minutes, but how important it is to pair your coffee with certain nutrients. Mm. And I will explain why and I'll explain what those are. 
But um, in terms of the morning um, coffee thing, so basically when we wake up in the morning, we are woken up by cortisol. That's what helps uh, the stress hormone. That's what helps wake us up. Um, and, you know, sometimes sometimes people will wake up sort of, uh, you know, really, really well and they feel sort of well rested and kind of, you know, they're, they're producing the right amount of cortisol. They wake mm-hmm. up that they feel nice and sound and ready to go. Others who experience issues with um, their adrenal glands, the glands that produce cortisol hormone, might wake up and feel more sleepy. Um, their cortisol levels aren't high enough and can kind of lead to waking up feeling not that well rested and feeling like they need this boost. Um, I can't say that I, I'm in no way saying that everyone who needs coffee in the morning has issues with their adrenal glands. Mm-hmm. I am not saying that at all. But what I will say is that a lot of people do experience sort of um, what we call kind of adrenal fatigue or this over um, stimulation of the adrenal glands because we're so stressed out all the time in our society Mm -hmm. in general. And sort of in this day and age, we produce too much cortisol all the Mm -hmm. time. Um, And that kind of chronic stress that so 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 many people experience can cause some reduced um, effectiveness of those glands and and producing the correct amount of cortisol and kind of so even if someone doesn't have a necessarily a disease related Mm -hmm. to the adrenal glands a lot of people still can experience kind of this imbalance in terms of um, their cortisol levels and producing too much of it and then feeling tired more than they should. And it can often lead to that in the morning. Mm -hmm. So like if someone who wakes up in the morning and literally can't get out of bed without a cup of coffee, that's something that you need to look at. Really? Like that. You are looking at me. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just making eye contact. Okay. Um, I don't have, I don't have that. That's not you, but there are people Mm -hmm. like that, you know, who really like they need their coffee in bed to wake up, you know, and that's something that you really need to look at. I also think that part of it too is cultural and like sort of ingrained in us Mm -hmm. that we love coffee in the morning and we love to feel that extra boost of alertness and kind of focus to start our day and we we get that from coffee but it's not necessarily bad like if you if you're you're not feeling so drained and groggy and you're you wake up and you have a cup of coffee is there something that's almost compliment like there must be a little bit of a reason somewhere down the line that like this is what people have done across many cultures like what's mm-hmm. the deal about like that morning cup of, cup of coffee and mm-hmm. wake up No, I don't think it's bad at all. I Mm -hmm. think that, again, if it's coming from a place of absolute must on Mm -hmm. sort of an extreme, that's different. If it's coming from this place of, I like that extra boost Mm -hmm. in the morning. I love the experience of coffee in the morning. I love how it makes me feel. I love getting my day started with that extra alertness. 
That's totally natural. And that's great. And I think that the morning is a really lovely time to have coffee. It's a great time, especially because depending on what type of metabolizer you are of coffee, having coffee later in the day, even as late as 1 p.m., 2 p.m. can really affect someone's sleep. Mm -hmm. So morning is sort of a great time for that. You know what I mean? Um, So I hope that answers your question. I think in terms of you know, what I see a lot with clients and and just in general is people drinking coffee on an empty stomach. Uh-oh. Right? <laughs> people drinking coffee on an empty stomach and with a very unsubstantial creamer, like either an ups- unsubstantial creamer or, or nothing at all. And why, and I want to talk about why that isn't ideal mm-hmm. and how to kind of optimize. You're like giving us coffee, coffee hacks. Right. I like it. Coffee hacks. Even though I do want to say that, of course, caffeine doesn't only come in the form of coffee, but we know that mm-hmm. coffee is, you know, supreme. Mm-hmm. So here we are. <laughs> um, so basically, when we pair coffee or basically any caffeinated, you know, substance with specific nutrients, those nutrients being protein and fat. Mm -hmm. Um, Fiber can also help, but we don't really put fiber in our creamer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So protein and fat buffer the caffeine response in your body. Similarly to how, Brie, I've definitely told you this in the past, with blood sugar, when we eat processed carbohydrates, we buffer the blood sugar response when we pair that with protein, fat, and fiber. So you're so we want to think about it like we don't want to have our coffee naked. Mm. So that's totally okay if you like your coffee black, but just eat it with something. Mm-hmm. Drink it with something mm-hmm. that you're gonna, you know, that that contains some protein, fat, or fiber. But if you insist on having your coffee without food, you like having it on its own, make sure that it's not naked. Make sure that you have you know, a substantial creamer. So like an almond milk, for example, isn't going to cut it. Why? Why? Because almond milk tends to be really low in protein and have virtually no fat Mm -hmm. for the most part, even though it's made from almonds, but most of the almonds are processed processed out. Yeah. Um, So what would be better options? Something like a full fat milk, Mm -hmm. a cashew milk, a... um, coconut milk, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Maybe even, you know, I don't know if you like butter in your coffee, people do that bulletproof Mm. situation um, or coconut oil in your coffee, you know, ghee in your coffee. These are, these are ways that you're going to, and when I say buffer the caffeine response, what does that mean? It means we're going to get less of a spike. Mm Mm-hmm. An intense spike, how I talked about that concentration, Mm -hmm. that 30 minutes to an hour after you consume caffeine. Um, So you're going to get less of a spike and it's going to kind of take you longer and smoother Mm -hmm. and gentler for for a longer period of time. So it's a bit more relaxed. So for a person maybe who's a little bit more on edge, struggles with anxiety they're really not ready to like cut out caffeine altogether then for them to drink their coffee with like a whole milk or like you're saying like a coconut milk can really make a difference and they they you think molly they would be able to even feel the difference 
Absolutely. I mean, it depends on the person for mm-hmm. sure and like how sensitive they are. Mm-hmm. And it won't necessarily solve the issue for every person, but you will feel a difference mm. for sure. Because um, when we drink black coffee on its own, again, it's kind of like having processed carbohydrate or sugar on its own where you mm-hmm. get this very intense peak mm-hmm. of the of the caffeine in your bloodstream. And this mm-hmm. way you can just... You're, you're getting a slower hill rather than like a mountain. You it's know what I mean? It's just kind of bringing a little bit of more more harmony into what you're putting into your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what exactly. about we, Molly is not the head of um, the CDC yet. And this question isn't for everybody. But what about this thing about like pregnancy and coffee? Like it sort of reminds me again of like different cultures, you know, here in Tel Aviv, everybody's drinking coffee all the time pregnant mm-hmm. or not pregnant it remind and you know but in america it's like very they're very against coffee mm-hmm. and then you know maybe in like chinese medicine like tcm like you're not supposed to have ca- caffeine and it seems to be again one of those things where it's like i don't know if it's almost like a cultural thing somehow culturally like the the impression of coffee changes Mm-hmm. It also reminds me of sometimes like in different countries, like in Europe, they might be like, yeah, by third trimester, you're going to have wine, you know, once in a while in mm-hmm. your pregnancy. But, you know, what are your thoughts or, or what's the deal? What's the yeah. deal with that? Yeah. So. Um, so you're right in that different cultures really do take a really different approach to mm-hmm. coffee and pregnancy in the US. Yeah, it does tend to be a more conservative approach. It's a real no-no. Mhm. I think for the most part, yeah, and I, and I know that um here in Israel and and I think in Europe as well and I'm not sure about other places, but it does tend to be a bit more liberal, like not. So basically, like I mentioned, for most adults, they recommend the sort of upper safe limit is about 400 milligrams of caffeine per day. I know with pregnant women, um, it shouldn't really go above 200 milligrams per day. Um, And, you know, listen, there are different risks. There's research that shows that there are different risks that basically consuming caffeine during pregnancy may increase the risk of preterm birth, of preeclampsia, of um, birthing a smaller Mm -hmm. um, infant, uh, smaller child, Um, you know, and, you know, on the other hand, here we are, we have different cultures that are saying, okay, listen, especially by second, third trimester, um, it's safe to have it in moderation, you know, and I think I'm saying this purely from my own um, projection, Mm -hmm. like what I think. But, you know, I know in the U.S., for example, caffeine and coffee, it's so rampant Mm -hmm. and widespread and in large amounts. And I I, that's true. I guess this the sizing is different here than there. Totally. The sizing, the frequency, it's always on the go, you know, and. Mm And, um, you know, part of me wonders and and thinks that probably the more conservative stance on it tends to kind of align with that, the fact that that's a cultural truth Mm -hmm. in that country, Mm. you know, and that um, saying that caffeine is okay might put a lot of people at risk Mm. because they may consume too much. I'm not saying that 
that's rooted in research or that I even, you know, but I'm just saying that when you take a ponder, Mm -hmm. when I take a a gander at the situation. Um, And yet, you know, here I have friends here in Israel. um, You know, one of my closest friends is pregnant and, you know, her gynecologist says it's okay for her to have some coffee and she's having a coffee each day. And, you know, here we are, you know, so really kind of depends on you. And I think it also in pregnancy too. It's like if you're someone who drank coffee regularly, tolerated it really beautifully and well, a cup or two a day or three or whatever it was before getting pregnant, you know, you're probably going to have a different, um, you're going to tolerate it differently than someone else who's pregnant who never tolerated it well to begin Mm -hmm. with, you know, or who hadn't incorporated it on a regular basis before pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So, Again, it's kind of going back to that, like, you need to read yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to understand your own symptoms. Like, what are some of the symptoms of caffeine intolerance, kind of in general? Not in pregnant women, but just in general. Well, it's things like insomnia, jitters, anxiousness, fast heart rate, you know, upset stomach, nausea, headache, a feeling of unhappiness or like dysphoria. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that we need to look for. If you're someone who's drinking multiple cups a day and you feel some of these symptoms, need to look into that. You know, I know for myself, I've always been very, very sensitive to coffee, but I love coffee, mm-hmm. adore. Um, <laughs> and I never really needed the caffeine. You mm-hmm. know, I never really needed it, but I've always just enjoyed the coffee experience. And so I've always had about a cup of coffee a day for mm-hmm. probably the last 15 years. And then interestingly, literally just three, four months ago, I started experiencing elevated heart rate when I would Mm. drink coffee. My heart rate was starting to speed up and I noticed that I would feel really low blood sugar, like like I was experiencing a low blood sugar state and kind of weak and faint and jittery. And, you know, I didn't want to believe that I was having issues with coffee because I had drank coffee my whole life and Mm -hmm. have been fine with one. But when I started, um, so then I started, you know, making a real effort to make sure I was pairing it with a lot of nutrients, like a full meal, you know. It helped a little, but it was still there. And then I tried, you know, moving to decaf. Mm -hmm. And I tried eliminating and, and, you know, it turned out that that was the issue. It was the coffee. And, you know, sometimes our bodies change. Absolutely. You know, I'm not really sure why, why it is that I started becoming more intolerant. Uh-huh. And my, it maybe it might've been because I was in a bit of a more anxious state mm-hmm. at that time, you know, but so for the last few months I've been drinking decaf, which still contains like you know, anywhere from 25 to 40 milligrams of caffeine in a cup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm tolerating it much, much better. So again, you know, you gotta, you gotta look at your own symptoms and, and go, okay, well, even though the study says it's so heart protective, okay, but I'm experiencing these symptoms. What am I going to listen yeah. to? Yeah. You know, grateful. I can still drink coffee cause I don't have those symptoms and just pray I never do because I have a very that. deep, deep relationship with coffee. So how many cups of coffee do you have a day, Brie? I guess I sound like an addict, but it's only usually two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... that's... Once in a blue moon, I'm like hanging on by a thread. It's a Thursday. Thursdays are quite full days for me with work. Like I'm 
teaching like from morning to night, and I can sneak one in around uh, three or four. And yeah, yeah. A Turkish coffee with Elon? No, no, just on the road. <laughs> it's like I need the fix. But um, Mal, any like uh, well wishes for the this coffee? This coffee pod, mini pod. Yes. Um, are you? Are we being sponsored by Tama Coffee Company? <laughs> Tell me, we should have planned that better. We're being sponsored by <laughs> Nescafe. And, um, yeah. So my my well wishes for you all, beautiful listeners, is to, as I've said now multiple times, it's to. Cue into your body and really, really be accepting of changes that you might see. Mm-hmm. Um, understand that, you know, caffeine is a stimulant. It is a stimulant. So if you are in a state in your life where you're experiencing a lot of stress, where you're more anxious than usual, where you're not getting as good of sleep as you usually are due to whatever's going on in your life, Understand that coffee can or caffeine can can sort of compound on that. Mm-hmm. And it's okay sometimes to you want to be fluid, just like with other things, just like with exercise, with diet, with with all these other lifestyle things in our lives. You want to be fluid and accepting mm-hmm. of what's going on now in your body. If you need to pull back on coffee or even eliminate it for a while until you kind of even out. Sometimes you got to do that, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you, you know, and then also I would say another well wish is that if you know deep in your soul that you are someone who cannot get through the day without a few cups of coffee, you need to look at the rest of your lifestyle. What are you eating? How is your blood sugar? Mm. How is, how is your energy? How is your sleep? Because, you shouldn't need to carry yourself with an external stimulant like mm-hmm. caffeine. That isn't natural. It's not normal. It's not healthy. Um, I'm not saying that it's not healthy to incorporate it in a lovely way as a boost that we enjoy it. But if you are dependent in a really heavy way, I encourage you to ask yourself questions about your lifestyle and just get curious. Great. I learned a lot. I feel quite comfortable that I can still enjoy my coffee, which was the end game for me. So I'm pleased. And thanks again to Allison Morris for offering up this amazing topic. Thanks for Molly for being our doctor scientist guru. And of course, if you have more topics that you want us to talk about or Molly, then always feel free. You can reach out to us on our Instagram, Well Wishes Podcast. We love hearing from you guys. Everything we're putting out there is really because we hope and wish it engages you and inspires you. So thanks, Molly, so much. Thanks to everybody for listening. We love you. Thank you so much, guys. See you next time. Thank you.